Hello, and welcome to Beyond the Cloud, Sustained Fiscal Leadership for Organizational Reform, a case study in three parts that discusses the underfunding of special education in our California schools. My name is Jonathan Wright, and I am a student from Concordia University in Irvine, California. My professor is Dr. Robert Coglin, who is also an assistant superintendent of business services for a school district in Southern California. In this three-part series, I'll be interviewing three groups of people, a representative of a special education department of a large school district in Southern California, part two, two representatives from the same district's business services department, and part three, two representatives from a special education local plan area, SELPA as they are called. In this case study, I'm going to ask these representatives to talk about how the underfunding of the special education affects their department. So let's get started with part two. Let's meet Sandra Chen, Associate Superintendent of Business Affairs, and Liz Pensick, Director of Fiscal Services, two experts from a school district in Southern California with 27,000 students. Welcome, my name is Jonathan Wright, and today is August 31st, a Friday, um, and I'm speaking with two representatives from the Business Department at the Chino Valley Unified School District. What is a current fiscal or budgetary problem that you, you two have been faced with here at the Chino Valley Unified School District? Um, so the, the major, one of the major um, fiscal problems that we see um, is the funding of special ed. Um, we have a pretty large special ed population. About 14% of our <clears throat> mm -hmm. enrollment. Yes. Um, yet it is a severely underfunded program. Um, we, the district is part of a SELPA of um, several districts on the air, of the local area mm -hmm. that come together. Um, so it was created many years ago so to kind of help um, districts offset like the big charges that, big expenses that special ed can sometimes bring mm -hmm. um, to a district like legal, uh, expenses or um, out-of-state placement expenses so it kind of pools the districts together okay. so that they kind of um, can pool their money together instead of one district taking a big hit when it comes along um, so that's the way we're funded we're funded through this SELPA ours is called the is called West End, West End SELPA mm -hmm. so it's actually like WE SELPA um, and we are in the SELPA with um, all the districts in this area Chafee, Ontario, Montclair, Alta Loma, um, Upland, so just this west area right here. I got you. So um, one thing that we specifically face is we are one of two large districts that are in this SELPA. The other ones are very small, as you can imagine, Alta Loma, mm -hmm. um, Mountain View right next door. So Actually, they're all elementary districts, aren't they? True. We're the Chafee and us are the, well, Chafee's a high school district, and we're a K-12 unified school right. district. Okay. So up until this past year, um, it was us, Chafee, and Ontario Montclair that were the largest districts in the SELPA. Um, however, last year, last year? Ontario Montclair pulled out of the SELPA um, and became their own, which left us in a situation where it was only us and Chafee. And because the other districts are so small, a lot of the, we're basically carrying the SELPA financially because our um, enrollment is so high compared to theirs because everything is funded on a on an ADA basis. What's the problem with the funding? Sir? Well, 
the funding itself is just underfunded. The main problem. Okay. Um, so when the so the money comes from the state to the SELPA, and then the SELPA develops a formula on how to allocate it out to the school sites. Um, so it's the problem begins before it even gets to the SELPA. Um, it's it's just very underfunded. I think it's we get a third about a third funding of what it actually costs us. So okay. the major difference between educating our general ed population and our special education population mm -hmm. is the services that our special ed students require. Mm -hmm. So They're depending very on their <laughs> yes. severity of needs, you may be placing them, like Liz said, to an out-of-state facility, in which case the district would be funding the cost of them being placed at that facility or placing them at a non-public school um, program okay because some of the needs that they have may not be f may not be feasible for school district to provide mm -hmm. so um, for example we used to um, have students be serviced at Ontario Montclair. So if you think about the spectrum of our special education population, mm -hmm. it could range from anywhere from mild autism all the way to um, deaf yeah. and um, physically impaired, um, or, or you know, students with orthopedic issues, vision issues, and all of that. So those services are not something that a school district mm -hmm. would readily provide because there's such a spectrum of services. So depending on the needs of each student, and that's something that's unpredictable, you do not mm -hmm. know what student will walk through a district each given year. Correct. Yeah. So depending on their needs, we work with the SELPA at the county for possible placement at the best location possible that can serve them. And in most instances, we would like to be able to provide them services within our school district if we had those facilities. Okay. So the issue that Liz was saying is how it's underfunded. All those facilities cost fun, cost money. Mm -hmm. If we don't have them, then we have to pay another school district to provide that to them or pay for another mm -hmm. private program to provide to them. The world of special ed is very complex. You know, it really depends on the type of students we serve and the type of services they need. Mm -hmm. So when Liz says it starts with underfunding, that's where the problem becomes. The, the, when the federal government allocates funding, and when the state government allocates funding, they're not looking at the totality of how much the program costs. Mm -hmm. it's, it's severely insufficient to cover the cost of the program. So if you look at LCFF, and I'm sure you'll be doing a lot of research with LCFF, you mm -hmm. know that the state funds the district based on our average daily attendance. So mm -hmm. our district is roughly 27,500 students and let's say our attendance rate is 97%. The state funds us on a formula basis on a grant by grace band basis. Mm -hmm. So K3 students will receive a certain dollar amount, 4-6 students will receive a different dollar amount, 7-8 and then 9-12. And then on top of that formula, the state will allocate additional funding based on the number of students who are foster youth, low income, or English learner. But the state does not provide additional funding, does not consider special education as another additional category where additional funding should be provided. Okay, okay. so. And then why does SELPA have to get involved? Is SELPA the agency that then, you mentioned, distributes the money? Mm -hmm. I'm in, I'm. Well, we, we, we are part of the SELPA because of kind of what Sandra was saying 
as well is that some of these smaller districts, mm-hmm. um, they receive services from the SELPA, from other districts, be, you know, for students that they may be too small to serve themselves. Okay. Like the SELPA has a whole staff of um, um, therapists and psychologists and all that that you can readily access mm-hmm. um, as part of your fee for being part of the SELPA. So like a smaller district who only has maybe a thousand kids or a Mount Baldy who has a hundred um, can't afford to have those kind of positions on their staff can utilize them from okay. elsewhere. Well everybody gains. I think you can look at it that way or you can also look at it as a, um, a mechanism so that districts of different sizes can gain from that um, regional agency because a district our size naturally will have more legal issues. Right. Mm-hmm. More expensive right? legal We have issues. more expenses because of the number okay. of students. Mm-hmm. We have 14% of our students in special education could mean the entire size, the entire district size of another district. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's kind of a give and take. And that's kind of, that was, if you, if you look up West End SELPA website, I'm sure there's a mission statement in there on the purpose of why they were created, okay. which was to normalize or um, help offset the costs of the districts involved. Right. But okay. certainly with demographics changing, you know, if a district, if we're declining in enrollment, it's obviously going to look more and more like we are helping to offset the smaller districts. Okay. But like Sandra was saying, we all we do benefit as well because we all pay money. Um, they call it the expot. It's kind of a um, a confusing aspect, but basically we all pay money into that every year, and that is to be used for legal purposes or to, for those non-public school placements. So no. some of those districts could be paying money in every year and not have a legal case and never have for a, a couple years. Kind of like insurance. <clears throat> kind of, yeah. But then all of a sudden, they could have one really expensive one that had they not had that SELPA assistance, it would bankrupt them, Um, but they've got that SELPA security with the other districts. So there's benefits um, for everybody, but Mm -hmm. there's also, it also has its downsides. How has this problem impacted the district's budget and its fiscal solvency? Well, the underfunding of it, we, the general fund the district as its general fund is contributing a lot of money every year to um, fund what the state is not funding as far as the special ed expenses. So I think for that part you will want kind of a a basic understanding of how the the district's budget works. There is a general fund, unrestricted portion, and then Mm -hmm. there's a general fund restricted portion. So the restricted portion are the funding that comes from the state and federal level for uh, programs that are outside of general operation and general education, okay. such as special ed. On the left-hand side, the general fund unrestricted portion. Mm-hmm. And on the very bottom, you'll see a category called contribution. And that's contribution from the unrestricted side of the general fund to the restricted side of the general fund to offset the cost. Okay. All right. Okay. So that's that's the the issue is every school every school district is in the same boat. They mm-hmm. all have to offset the cost of their special programs such as special ed on the restricted side from their unrestricted side. So what does the unrestricted side pay for? The unrestricted side pays for 
for the most part, salaries. Everything, yeah. Okay. So next to salaries, the next most expensive program in the district is special ed. Okay. So if you think about it that way, other than paying for all the people who work in the school district, our next most expensive program is special education. And yet the state and the feds don't fund that program sufficiently. And, and the general fund unrestricted pays for the everyday cost of running that classroom. Your classroom supplies comes out of the unrestricted pot. Okay. The custodial supplies comes out of the unrestricted pot. All the copying that you have to do for your students comes out of there. Mm -hmm. All of the general expenditures to run a regular gen ed classroom comes out of there. So if the federal government and the state government continue to persist unf uh, the l lack of sufficient funding for the special program, mm -hmm. every district continues to offset that from our general unrestricted pot. What does that do to our gen ed? It makes it go down. It, it kind of takes the funding from one to the other, but districts don't have a choice because of the, um, the law surrounding um, special education. That's yeah. that's yeah. Whatever <laughs> is written in each student's IEP must be carried out. What solutions has the organization implemented to address this problem? Yeah. Well, it, you, you really have to take a look at your overall needs. Mm -hmm. The only pot of funding available is your general fund unrestricted. That means based on your needs of special education, mm -hmm. you must take a look at the big picture long term over the next two, three years. Mm -hmm. What programs can you grow sufficiently under the you know, unrestricted site and still be able to help offset the cost of the restricted program. It's not an endless pot. It's kind of a, you want to make sure that this district stays solvent while you mm -hmm. address the um, lack of funding on one end and then make sure that you still address your gen ed. In addition to um, the law with the IEPs, there's also mm -hmm. a law called the maintenance of effort, mm -hmm. the MOE, which and you have to report it every year to the government is that you do, you did not cut your level of special ed okay. special ed not funding but special ed services services I got so you. every year they compare what you spent on it one year to what you spent on it the previous year mm -hmm. and you have to you cannot drop below that level of services okay. that you provided the year before so even though your district and, and that's another thing too is that we're funded on our ADA, which in our case and a lot of the cases in the districts surrounding us, our ADA is declining. However, our special ed population is growing, mm. but we're funded on our ADA, not our special ed. So in, in what ways does the business manager act as a fiscal leader to address the problem? Well, we uh, kind of touched upon it earlier, you know, it's mm -hmm. looking, making sure that we look at the budget on a long-term basis. We, the state requires that we look at the budget, um, not just the current year, but minimally two years out. Mm -hmm. So we're always looking at three to five years at a time okay. based on the latest information we have. So based on the projection of our enrollment, based on what we know, we, where we project our special education expenses to be each year knowing that it's going to increase, we have to make sure that on an ongoing basis, we evaluate or reevaluate the current expenses that we have mm -hmm. and provide guidance to our superintendent and cabinet 
on whether or not to increase services in programs or stay status quo or decrease in services. Okay. Right? So the only, our flexibility in a school district is really not that great. You're really looking at changing, you either need to get more funding mm -hmm. or you need to decrease your current expenses in order to stay fiscally solvent over the years. What recommendations could you or did you present to solve this problem? Have, have either of you presented any um, recommendations? I know this is a big issue. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, every year when the budget is developed uh, during the spring for the following year, mm -hmm. the uh, Liz and myself, we meet with school site administration face-to-face um, -to, -face to go over their budget needs for the coming year. Okay. We also review with human resources on an annual basis multiple times a year to review staffing needs mm -hmm. for the entire year. So program needs, we review with the site administration, and staffing needs, we review with the site administration as well as our human resources okay. to determine what our um, overall needs are. And depending on our budget sufficiency, that's where we look at uh, increasing status quo or decreasing. Could you discuss your role and impact of a fiscal leader in the educational organization like CVUSD? Both for Liz and I, our role is to to be able to take the technical information from the feds and state and apply it to Chino Valley and then translate it to our superintendent and the board in order for, for, in order for um, informed decisions to come about that. So, you know, as fiscal leaders, we want to take something very complicated to translate into something understandable so that the right people in the room can make the right decisions going forward. As well as making sure that we are, um, you know, following all the regulations and spending everything. Compliance. Compliance, yeah, yeah that's the word I'm okay. looking for. Yeah. That we're gotcha. remaining compliant as far as um, all the different government agencies are concerned. I would like to thank Sandra Chen and Liz Pensick for taking time out of their busy schedule. In addition, I would like to thank Dr. Rob Coglin for allowing me this opportunity. And finally, I thank Concordia University in Irvine, California for spreading God's good word and believing in me, making my dreams a reality. I leave you with this. Remember to always cultivate collaborative systems. God bless and Godspeed. Thank you.